something special and poignant about hearing someone's last words to us. Whether it's your senior year and your coach is giving you that final instruction as you run out onto the court. Or maybe, as we've learned recently, we've experienced, it's a pastor giving their last sermon to their beloved congregation. Or maybe it's on a family member on their deathbed. We remember, we treasure those words in our hearts. We maybe write them down. I remember when my grandma um, passed away, the last word she said to us was, tell Bob I'm not going to the dance on Saturday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, it's funny because I, I think about it and I always cheer and just smile because that was my grandma to the end, just loving and experiencing life. And we're like, oh yeah, we've got to tell Bob, she's not going. But wherever it is, it's something that it's meaningful. It's something that we cherish. And so today we are going to look at Joshua's last words to the people of Israel. And so Joshua was given the instruction from God. He was given that challenge to go and take the Israelites and take them through the land of Canaan and conquer it. He was given that mantle from Moses. And so this is the end of his life. So what he did was he gathered the 12 tribes of Israel and he brought them together for what's been called a commitment, covenant renewal ceremony. And so the words that we heard earlier, these were his words to them. He said, choose today whom you're going to serve. If it's the gods of this world, then do that. But if it's Yahweh, if it's God, then choose him. But as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to break down these couple of sentences. We're going to look at them, and then we're going to apply them to our lives today. So the first thing I want us to look at is the word serve. When we think of serve, we think of serve as something I'm doing for God. Right? We think, I'm going to serve God by putting these boxes together for the fish pantry and handing them out. That's how I'm serving God. Or I'm going to serve the Lord by teaching Sunday school. Or maybe I'm going to serve the Lord by baking cookies for Cornerstone on Wednesdays. Hint, hint. It's whatever we do to do something for God. But here in this passage, what's it actually saying is a better translation would be worship, fear, revere. What Joshua is calling them to is lordship. He's saying, give lordship completely to Yahweh. Your energies, your body, your time, your resources, everything should be to him and him alone. And so what Joshua does at the beginning of the chapter is he gives them a history lesson. So what Joshua's doing is he's doing two things that we're going to look at. And he's reminding them who they are and whom they belong to. And he's instructing them to choose intentionality about serving God. So again, if we looked and if we read the beginning of the chapter, we would see Joshua giving them a history lesson. He's saying, the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he made a covenant to them that he would be their God and they would be his people. And God would bless them and multiply them. And he would give them this land flowing of milk and honey, 
which is the land of Canaan. And their response to the covenant was that they would need to show allegiance to only Yahweh. And that was their response. And so he reminds them, he reminds them how God established this covenant with you. And then, of course, we know what happened to Jacob's descendants. They ended up in Egypt. And they were in Egypt as slaves. And so God miraculously sends Moses to go and to free them and to deliver them from the clutch of Pharaoh. And then God brings them and walks them through the desert. And he provides them through water and manna and quail. He reminds them who they are, that they are a chosen people set apart for God and God alone. And as they come into Canaan, they weren't supposed to um, be influenced with the gods around them or the culture around them, but they were to be set themselves apart as a holy nation. So he reminded them who they are and whom they belong to. Secondly, he showed intentionality. He gave them instructions to be intentional about choosing God. He said, you want to serve these gods? Then serve them. But if you want to serve God, then you can't do both. He says, you need to smash those gods. You need to throw those gods away. Because the problem that they had is as they marched into Canaan, Canaan was already filled, right? Canaan was already inhabited by nations who didn't follow God. Nations who served other worship false idols. And so the Israelites, what they wanted to do is they wanted to adopt the culture around them. And so soon these false gods started to seep into their homes. And it wasn't that they didn't want to serve Yahweh, because they did. But they also wanted to serve the other gods. And so you may go into an Israelite home, and you might see a little idol to the fertility god. Or you might see a little idol to the moon or to the sun god. And Joshua said, nope, not any longer. You need to choose. You need to smash those idols and make only room for God. So there's intentionality there. So today we're going to look at those two concepts. Remembering who you are, remembering whom you belong to, and intentionality with with serving God, with choosing him. So church, this morning I want to encourage you to remind you whom you are who you are and whom you belong to, that you are daughters and sons of the Most High. You are daughters and sons of the King, and you should get your identity and your value and your self-worth from him and him alone. Not what the world tells you what you should look like or how you should live or how you should spend your time or your money, but what God says. What God says. And you should remember that because of your sins, because of our sins that have separated us from God, that Jesus paid a special, special price for us he, with his own body and blood. He died for our sins so that we can be reconciled back to God. So we were bought with a price to be set apart for God and God alone. We have to remember that. We remember who we are and whom we belong to. It should change the way we live our lives. It should change the way we live out and spend our time and our money and our resources because we're reflecting on God. 
I heard this preacher talk about how he became a Christian. And he wasn't raised in a Christian home. But in his neighborhood, these women would come to his neighborhood and they would do Bible clubs, neighborhood Bible clubs. And they would do a program just like what we do at VBS. And they would sing and they would do crafts and they would play games and they would read stories from the Bible. And so he began a relationship with God through these clubs. And he attended all through elementary. But in middle school... He walked away from the things of God, and he started to hang out with the kids in his neighborhood, and they started to do things that were against the law. And so he was hanging around with these kids one day, and he was riding in their cars, and all of a sudden, this song from Bible Club just kind of bursted through him, and he started to sing, He loves me, how he loves me really loud. And as he tells the story, it's funny because he says the kids in the car lowered down their radio and they said, dude, what are you singing? And he sang it again. (laughs) He said, he loves me. How he loves me. And he said at that moment, at 16 years of age, all of a sudden, God spoke to him and God said, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) You belong to me. This is not the plan I have for you. And so he told the guys, he said, you know what, just, just pull over right here. And he got out of the car, and he literally and figuratively walked away from that lifestyle. And he went and he found a youth group to continue his growth with God. We need to do the same thing. We need to remember who we are and whom we belong to. Second thing we need to do, church, is we need to show intentionality in how we spend our day because the gods of this world are loud and they are many, right? The gods of this culture are many. They are power and influence and convenience and money and activities and entertainment. And if we are not careful, if we do not intentionally set aside time for God and the things for God, we will be left with nothing to, live God, to give to God. We'll be left with treating God as an extracurricular activity. Saying, here you go, God, there's nothing left that I have to give. There's been so many times that I, I hate to admit this, but it's true, that I will be ready to pass out, laying in bed with a dog on my head, <laughs> and like ready to pass out, and I think to myself, did I spend time with Jesus today? <laughs> Did I spend time with Jesus? I might have been in the Bible looking for a teaching for a cornerstone, or I have been many, many hours in the Bible trying to finish my paper in seminary <laughs> that I'm in right now. But did I spend time at the foot of the cross? Did I spend time at the foot of Jesus, having his, his word wash over me? Did I spend time in prayer? interceding for my family and my friends? Did I spend time just growing that intimate relationship with him? Was I intentional about my time for God and the things of God? There was this, in my YFC days, I did these clubs on campus. And I um, was with these kids, and I was really close to them. And we did this club in 6th and 7th and 8th grade. And when they graduated eighth grade, they came to me, and um, it was about a a club of 20, 25, and they said, Anna Marie, we want you to go to high school with us. 
And I thought, oh, no, I've been to high school. I don't want to go back. But I said, okay, I'll be brave. I'll go with you. And so it was my first time um, doing high school ministry. And so as I was preparing to start this club, I was worried because I thought, high school sports, after school, eight of my boys were playing football. And I knew football was a year-long sport with conditioning and practice. And so the first day of club, I'm sitting there, and sure enough, my eight boys walk in. And I said to them, football? And they said, we went to our coach, and we said, on Mondays, we are going to be an hour late because we are going to our Christian club because our faith is important to us. And I said, okay. It's like tears in my eyes. All right. Sophomore year, they did the same thing. Junior year, they did the same thing. Senior year, I'm thinking, you know what? All of these boys are now varsity. All of these boys are starting. One of them is the captain. And um, sure enough, they walk in, and I said, football. And they said, we went to our coach, and we said, coach, our relationship with God is a priority. We go to this club so that we can learn how to be closer to God. We will be late every Monday afternoon for an hour. And I thought, wow, what a testimony that was to their friends, to their teammates, and to their coach. And it also provided accountability because now everybody on the team knew they were Christians. And so they were watching them as they acted in their sportsmanship and their language. High school is a very busy time. It's a time of activities, of extracurricular activities, AP classes, college apps, um, learning how to drive, getting your first job. And I have been so blessed and touched by um, how Bel Castro has intentionally made time for God these last four years. She's a senior at Branham High School that she spends time in God's word. And so I invited her to share how she's done this. Bell. Good morning. I forgot to take my mask down last time, so glad I get to do this again. Um, even though I've been a St. Timothy's member for my entire life, I didn't begin to seek God out um, in my life until I was about 14. My personal walk with God started in high school when I became truly serious about my relationship and study of the Word, to the point where I learned to look for it in my daily life. The biggest thing that helped me get into the Word every day is to have the right Bible for me and finding a good time in the day. I bought myself a study Bible about two years ago, and it helps me to be able to truly study and not just read the Word of God. As I started out, I would try different times in the day and eventually settled into reading the Bible at night as it helps me complete my night routine and wind down. Another huge thing for me was utilizing my Bible app on my phone and the devotional reading plans that can lead you in the right direction. In 2020, I read the whole Bible in a year using a plan on the app with my small group Bible study, and I have just started again this year on my own. Because I have read through the whole Bible and learned from it every day, it puts things into perspective for me more than I had ever seen before. Looking at different aspects of my life, I recognize God's blessings and his provisions for me, as well as the way he uses me for the good of myself and other people. No matter how old you are, you can find that place where you seek out God's word every day, and I encourage you to take the first steps in making time with God important in your everyday schedule. Thank you. Thank you, Val. George Barnack is a a staggering statistic that, frankly, as a church 
body in a church worldwide, we should be scared. And the statistic is that 88% of Christian youth that go on, that graduate from high school and go on to college, walk away from their faith. They just walk away. Some of them come back, but many don't. And the reality is that Christianity is a generation away from being extinct. Did you get that? It is a generation away from being extinct. And so I invited Donovan Mitri to come, and he's going to share. He has intentionally created space for community. Donovan. Thank you, Anna Marie. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Donovan, as Anna Marie said. And uh, as a college student, navigating your faith can be a challenge because the world tries to pull you in many different directions, and unfortunately, some of the directions it tries to pull you in are not really the ways of the Bible. So to stand strong and to keep my focus on my faith, I've been fortunate enough to develop some routines and find some Christian groups that help me do just that. Every day I try my best to read devotions. I read Jesus Calling in the Morning, which I'm sure each of you have heard of. And then in addition to that, right before I fall asleep, I try to read the President's Devotional, which was a devotional that was written by a spiritual advisor to a former president. And immediately after my devotional time, I, I pray. I try my best to remember to pray because sometimes I just forget if my day's hectic or not, or like you were just saying, you're just ready to crash in your bed. <laughs> um, when I pray, I, of course, pray for things that are bothering me or bothering others, but this routine in particular, the devotions I read, have been helping me to remember to pray for things that I'm thankful for because so many times I'm praying for something for days or weeks or months and finally when it's answered in a way I expect it to be answered or in a way I don't expect it to be answered, I just, it just slips my mind and I go on to asking God for help on something else. So thankfully, to this, because of this routine, I've been able to remember to be thankful and to express that to God. And in, in addition to my devotional and prayer time, I've been fortunate enough to have found some Christian groups on campus and uh, the young adults group here at St. Tim's, which meets every Thursday at 7.30 in the youth house. In the groups that I'm a part of, we spend time delving into scripture, discussing various issues that face our world, that face young adults, that face the church. Uh, we spend time uh, doing group events together, like we plan to go bowling, we went to an escape room, and just with all of that, as each week goes by, we have a ton of fun together. I feel very fortunate for this, the, this, the groups that I've found because they help me to stay focused on my faith and to stay motivated to get me through my days and my weeks, no matter how uh, hectic or calm they are. Overall, I am very thankful for the spiritual routine God has developed for me, and I just pray that by sharing a little bit about myself today that all of you, no matter if you're a preschooler or if you're a super senior, can find some routine involving prayer devotions or have a couple of friends or family that are Christian or a whole group that's Christian that can help you get through any time in your life. Calm times or hectic times. Thank you so much for listening to me today. And thank you, Donovan, for being in that 12%. <laughs> thank you. I, was, um, I had recently been hired at a church about 14 years ago, and so as a youth pastor, and the parents um, emailed me saying that they wanted to meet with me. And so I came to that meeting with my notepad, ready to talk about Sunday school curriculum, the mission trips we were going to go on, activities. I was prepared. And so as I sat there, though, 
the words that they said to me, um, just I've always remembered. And what they said was, we want our kids to be good. We want them to be moral. We want them to make good choices. We want them to stay away from drugs, sex, alcohol. And of course, we want them to be respectful to their parents. So that's what we want you to teach towards. But we don't want you to encourage them to be so on fire for Jesus, so in love for Jesus, that it changes the trajectory of their lives. We don't want our kids to grow up to be pastors or missionaries. So we want you to teach towards the middle. Needless to say, I didn't stay at that church very long. But those words stayed with me. And even though they were hard to hear, I was honest. If I'm honest about it, that's how we live. We live in the middle. We come to God and we say, God, we love you. We want a relationship with you. We want promise of heaven for eternity. God, we want you to bless us. We want you to provide for us. We want you to give us jobs. We want you to heal us of our diseases and our sickness. But God, we really don't want to give you lordship. God, I really don't want to be kind to that mean person in my life. God, I really don't want to forgive that person. That's deeply hurt me. And church, we need to repent because what we've done is we've taken God and we've created him into an image that fits our lifestyle. We've taken God and we've created him into an image that is convenient and easy for us to live with. And we need to repent because this God of yesterday, today, and forever is the same God of the Israelites, is the same God who is not content with being one of our gods. He is a God that is calling us to complete lordship. And so this morning, I encourage you that this would be our own covenant renewal ceremony, that we will be introspective and we will look and we would confess to God and say, God, there is aspects of my life that I have not given you lordship over. There is times in my life, God, that I have treated you like that extracurricular activity instead of giving you my complete time, money, and resources and devotion. Because it's not just about the big commitment ceremonies, like baptism and confirmation. Those are important, but it's the everyday choices of how we live out our lives and what we spend our time, money, and resources on shows us what we value and whom we value. Bishop Dan and I, we did um, confirmation interviews together, and I loved at the end of um, our time, he would speak to the confirmant and he would say this. He would say, on Sunday, you're going to stand here and you're going to confirm your faith in front of our church and your family and your friends. And that's going to be the easy part because we are going to be so excited for you. We're going to cheer you. We're going to celebrate you. But the next day, it's going to be harder when you have to confirm your faith at school, to your friends and your family. And the day after that, with your teammates, and the day after that, 
and the day after that, and the day after that. Whom are we going to serve? The gods of this world are God. Choose today whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, in a world that is focused on power and money and self I choose to follow a God who emptied himself and took a form of a servant and taught us that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In a world full of war and violence, I choose to believe in the words of scripture that say that one day, one day, those weapons of destruction will be turned into farming tools. In a world that chooses despair, I choose the God of the resurrection, hope. Let's choose today and let's live like we mean it. Amen? Amen.